Psalm 19 tonight. I uh, want us to see uh, really three ideas. Seems like the Lord is uh, showing us three main ideas in, in this uh, passage tonight. Rich, it, it seems to be the, the, the overriding idea seems to be things that glorify the Lord. Uh, Brother Art, I hope that that could include myself. Amen. Things that glorify the Lord. Uh, if, that, if that's possible, it's because of him working in our lives, right? But you see three things here tonight, three main things. The first thing we'll see uh, is, is creation, uh, the wonder of creation. Uh, general revelation would be what theologians call that, right, Brother Garcia? Creation reveals the Lord, and what is revealed in creation does glorify him. That's, that's general revelation. Uh, and then secondly, tonight, we'll see the word of God. Certainly God's words glorify him uh, in the things that they reveal, Brother Gary, the things that God's words reveal about him, uh, the fact that he is so worthy of praise, honor, and glory, special revelation, the word of God glorifies him. Uh, the writer of the song, psalm tonight is identified as David. Uh, the Holy Spirit has given these words to David. David's penned them down. God's preserved them for us, all of that, right? Uh, we see tonight the way that David responded is very definitely a God-honoring uh, response that, that gives glory to the Lord. So uh, we have the, the general revelation of, of the Lord in his creation that glorifies him. And we have the special revelation of his words, which glorifies him. Uh, and then it's our response. Zach, I guess tonight we, we could recognize that we could respond to Lord's revelation of himself in a way that would glorify him or not, right? It's a choice. Well, David's response, we'll see tonight, is a very God-honoring, it's Christ-honoring uh, response. So if you didn't catch it, there's three W's there, right? Maybe I didn't say it that way. The wonder of creation, we'll see. The word of God that we'll see. And then the way that David responded, okay? Uh, I'm going to pray once more, and then I'm going to just jump right in here. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you, uh, Lord, tonight for being a God who is so very worthy of glory. Lord, you're the only God that is. And so you're the only one who is glorious and worthy of praise, honor, and being glorified. Lord, thank you tonight for the privilege of having been created by you. Lord, thank you for revealing yourself to us as a God who is so worthy of glory. Lord, I pray tonight that as we uh, look at this short psalm and see just these three ideas, that we would be encouraged to praise you and honor you and glorify you with our tongues and with our lives. Lord, that, that we'd be encouraged at your praiseworthiness. Uh, and that we would be encouraged tonight to give you praise, honor, and glory. Lord, help us now as we see these things. Help me, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Are we ready? We're, we're there? We're all there? Okay, let's jump in here. Uh, number one tonight, uh, the wonder of creation glorifies the Lord. The wonder of creation uh, glorifies the Lord. See verse one here. Uh, the psalm is titled, To the Chief Musician, a psalm song of David. David writes under inspiration, he says, the heavens declare the glory of God. Uh, and this is parallel poetry here. The heavens declare the glory of God. Parallel idea is the firmament uh, showeth, reveals, or shows uh, his handiwork. So the simple idea being, brother, right, that the create God's creation uh, reveals him and gives him glory. It, it glorifies him. The fact that there is anything uh, at all glorifies God. Well, why is that? It points to him. Uh, it, it points to him. Uh, of course, scientists have all kinds of theories about the origin of all that we can observe. Uh, but what they cannot explain is how any matter uh, that constitutes the things that we can observe came into existence. And that's the limit of science. We're not anti-science, but we recognize science does have some limits uh, at that point, and that's where a creator is absolutely demanded. Now, we, of course, would argue a creator is demanded even before that, but uh, the fact that uh, anything is... Uh, gives glory to the one who is because he is, the Lord, uh, Jehovah. 
David says the heavens. David declares the heavens, uh, plural heavens, right? Because, Brother Ray, there's three heavens, right? The first heaven where the birds fly, the second heaven where the sun, moon, and stars are, uh, in the third heaven where the throne room of God is, that place that we look forward to being um, when we depart uh, this place. The heavens declare the glory of God, uh, and the firmament showeth uh, his handiwork. That word firmament, we recognize that from where? where? Where's that word first show up in your Bible? Back in Genesis, right? So it's, it's a creation word. And I, I know we've covered this many times, but it's worth repeating tonight. It, it, it's not referring to something firm. It's not a firm, amen. It, the word literally has the idea of, of an expanse. Uh, of an expanse, or perhaps um, maybe a canopy, an expanse of canopy uh, over something. And so uh, it would seem to refer to the first heaven and the second heaven, probably probably f- refers to both of them together, uh, but not the third heaven. This is that space that the Lord put between uh, this place where we are, firm ground, uh, and the place where he is, where his throne room is, uh, the third heaven. The firmament is probably all, all of the space between the two. More could be said about that. Isaiah 40 in uh, verse 22, maybe just take this as a cross-reference, uh, says this, It is he, the Lord is the he, of course, that sitteth upon the circle of the earth, and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers. Well, that's a humbling thought. That's us. Uh, he, he stretcheth out the heavens uh, as a curtain and spreadeth them out uh, as a tent to dwell in. Uh, so we, we dwell under this firmament uh, that the Lord has created that separates uh, the firm uh, earth, <laughs> the, the firm place that we stand, uh, from from the third heaven. This is the idea. Now, think about all that is in the firmament uh, today. Uh, does it glorify God? Does it demand uh, a creator? I was I was reading one man's commentary on this verse, and he says, you know, if you live in a relatively urban place, there's a lot of ground light. And when you look up in the sky at night, you don't see quite everything that you see way out in the country, right? Brother Ray, you you grew up a little bit more way out in the country, right? And I did too. We had the ground light from Rochester on one side and and Buffalo on the other side. But as you look kind of south and maybe southeast a little bit, Samantha, you had less ground light where you grew up too, I think. The sky was just more lit up at night, right? You saw that many more stars and uh, maybe the arms of the Milky Way and just the sky is is just so beautiful and you look upon it and you say yeah there's a creator and and he's a powerful creator and he's a creative creator and he's he's the lord his creation uh this this firmament it does uh reveal him and you think about the daytime and uh the birds that fly that that's a miracle that uh gary that that there are these little animals that that can fly and of course scientists will say well they evolved to be able to do that we would say no god designed them uh to be able to do that and brother ray as the wright brothers and others studied god's way of designing the birds and how they curve their wings to land and how they take flight uh they gained insights that allowed men to develop airplanes uh, so that we could fly, but it was only through studying God and His His creation uh, that that we were able to do that. Do the heavens declare the glory of God? Does His creation reveal Him to be a glorious God? Church, is that the case? Oh, absolutely, it is the case. The firmament show, showeth or shows or reveals uh, His handiwork. This is all true. Verse two says this: Day unto day uttereth speech, and night. Uh, unto night showeth knowledge. Um, that verse maybe could be understood uh, several different ways, but I think the idea is the cycles of day and night and the things uh, that we see. Maybe I've already alluded to some of this. Uh, the, the cycle of day and night, the things that are revealed as as we cycle through these periods of darkness and light, uh, the design of all of that, uh, the daytime uh, given for work and the nighttime given uh, for rest and, and all that is revealed in God's design uh, of these things and, and these cycles 
uh, reveals uh, the knowledge that, that there is a, a designer to these things, Brother Ray. There is a creator and designer who is uh, behind all of this. None of this is by chance. All of it is the design uh, of a powerful creator. Not just an impersonal force of nature, but a personal God uh, who reveals himself to us in and through uh, his creation, at least in a general way. General, uh, the general revelation that he exists. Uh, he exists. Gary, I understand that we can't uh, look into creation and know his name or know his plan for our salvation. But we can look into his words and find that, can't we? I can look out the window and know that God is. I can look into his word uh, and learn more about who he is uh, and how to have a relationship with him. That's the special revelation uh, of the word of God. I'm getting ahead of myself, though. Come back to verse 3. Uh, David gives forth this idea that uh, not only is, is God revealed in his creation or by his creation, but he's revealed to all people everywhere uh, in and by his creation. Verse 3 says it this way. There's no speech nor language uh, where their voice is not heard. Uh, there's no people anywhere who speak any language that can't understand uh, the voice poetically of the creation speaking forth to man that there is a creator. Uh, the, the creation everywhere reveals to all people, anywhere in any, everywhere, uh, that God is. And by the way, Rich, that holds all men everywhere throughout all of time accountable for the, for the knowledge that there, God is. Uh, God is. E everyone is accountable to understand that. There's no speech nor language, verse 3, where their voice, the voice of all that is in creation, maybe the firmament specifically is in context here, uh, where their voice revealing God is not heard. Uh, verse 4 says this, their line has gone out through all the earth. Line, I'm not sure, may maybe it pictures the, the rays of the sun, uh, the, the rays of the moon's light reflecting back across creation, uh, testifying to the fact that there is a, uh, there, there is a creator as they, as they go on throughout all the earth uh, in their words uh, to the end of the world. Uh, aren't you thankful tonight that creation, Brother Ray, testifies to all men everywhere that God is? Uh, and so... You know, when missionaries um, first go out and, and deal with unreached people groups, they don't really have a, they, I'm told at least, they don't generally have difficulty getting people to understand that there is some kind of God out there uh, who is responsible for all things. And generally, they, they encounter people have at least that idea. Uh, and very often, Gary, they, they'll um, encounter some of the Bible stories that have been corrupted. Uh, in most cultures in the world have uh, what, what's, what's called a flood myth. We know it's not a myth, but that's what uh, anthropologists will call it. There's, there's some uh, recognition and, and remembrance in cultures around the world uh, of Bible truth. A lot of times it's corrupted, but uh, cultures have retained knowledge of, of certain things. And even where, where that isn't the case, the creation, again, testifies to the fact that there is a creator and so missionaries, for the most part, are, are just in the business of introducing uh, that culture to the identity. Who, who is this creator and how you can have a relationship with him? Creation does the first part of reaching people. Missionaries bring the forth the word of God and introduce people uh, to the, the personal God, who he is, and, and how to have a personal uh, relationship with him. Uh, David continues in, in verse 4. Uh, he's poetically alluding to the sun uh, and its course, uh, the brilliance of the sun, uh, the glory of the sun, bringing glory to the Lord, uh, the Father, perhaps his son is the idea here as well. Uh, next part of verse 4, second part of verse 4 says, In them, uh, the heavens, uh, hath he set a tabernacle, uh, a tent or house uh, for the sun. Uh, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. Uh, Zachary, you're our most recent bridegroom, I guess. Uh, were you anxious to be married? Y you were. 
you were anxious. And so he, uh, he pictures the son as, as a, a bridegroom anxious to come uh, out uh, to his new wife, uh, which is a bridegroom coming out as that, as bridegroom coming out of his chamber uh, and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. So uh, the son is being personified poetically uh, as, as uh, a part of God's creation uh, that God intends to glorify him uh, as it completes its course uh, throughout, uh, throughout each day. Verse 6, his going forth seemed to be the son. Poetically, his going forth is from the end of the earth uh, and his circuit unto the ends of it. Uh, and there is nothing hid from the heat uh, thereof. And so, again, this, this idea of, of this aspect of creation being visible and evident to all people all across the earth, uh, day in and, and day out. This wondrous, the wondrous fact of the sun and its course uh, throughout our day and throughout the year demands a creator. Brother Ray, it demands one uh, who's pretty powerful, who's pretty special, who's pretty creative, uh, one who could create the sun. What do we know about the sun in, in terms of its relationship to the earth? We know that it has to be at just the right distance that it is, or else we'd be burned up or frozen. Uh, we know that the earth has to sit on its axis a certain way relative to the sun. Uh, we, we know that everything about creation has been perfectly fine-tuned so that we can exist uh, as we exist. Rich if gravity was just a little bit different, we wouldn't be able to move or we'd float off of the earth. Everything, the temperature of the earth, uh, the position of the, of, of the sun to the earth, and the temperature, uh, the heat that we enjoy, uh, end of verse 6. Everything has been perfectly fine-tuned uh, so that we can exist with reasonable comfort, uh, so that we have seasons for growing and harvesting. The Lord, uh, his, his hand upon this is demanded uh, in every one of those little details. And this is the idea that David's bringing forth. Everything in creation, the totality of creation, down to the fine details, demands the Lord. Uh, and as it does give revelation of him, it glorifies him. It reveals him in a general way uh, and brings him glory. Now, the second part, um, David moves on from the general revelation of creation again to the specific revelation uh, of the words of God. Brother Ray, again, uh, we can know looking out the window, there must be a God, but you can't know him personally. You can't know his name and you can't know how to have a relationship with him uh, until you look into his word, right? And this is the second thing David uh, speaks of. He says, first of all, creation demands that there be a Lord, a God. It gives uh, some general knowledge of him, some general revelation. Uh, it glorifies him, but so do his words, the special revelation of his words. Uh, David continues here. Once you see here in the next couple of verses, uh, he, he uses a number of different words, synonyms, uh, to refer to the Bible. Uh, you'll see the law, and you'll see testimony, and you'll see statutes, and you'll see uh, commandment, uh, and then in verse 9, verse 7, 8, 9, uh, judgments. Zach, there's another place in the Psalms where uh, those words factor in very predominantly throughout a very long psalm. Psalm 119, right? Uh, right, so all these synonyms for God's words. And there's other words that don't appear here that we see in Psalm uh, 119. Precepts, can't think of any other ones off the top of my head, but uh, I'm sure there's others. All words that refer to the Bible uh, in total and in, in the individual words of Scripture. Well, let, let's read uh, verse 7 and 8. The law. Uh, the Hebrew word for law here is Torah, Brother Ray. Uh, the law of the Lord is perfect, uh, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. Uh, the Hebrew word there is amen. Uh, making wise the simple. Making wise the simple, going back to this morning. Uh, verse 8, the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, uh, enlightening the eyes. Let's read verse 9 also. The fear of the Lord is clean, uh, enduring forever. 
the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Uh, we can make a list quickly of some specific aspects uh, or uh, characteristics of God's words. Let's do that very quickly. Let's, let's kind of take this apart very quickly. We won't spend a lot of time here, but just very quickly, let's make a list, uh, make some notes here, so some, some truths here uh, about God's words, his words which reveal him uh, and glorify him. Uh, the first thing we see in verse 7, he says, the law of the Lord is perfect, uh, converting the soul. The law of the Lord is perfect. Uh, perfect there has the I- literal idea of complete, uh, maybe in this context, unblemished, uh, not, not tarnished or broken down uh, in any way, but, but absolutely complete and perfect uh, in every way. That, that's God's words. Uh, Brother Ray, uh, we know there's been various efforts throughout the, the ages to uh, do harm to God's words, but God promised in Psalm 12, 6, and 7, other places, to preserve his words supernaturally, and he has. They're unharmed, unblemished uh, in some places. We could find them. We, we know that we have them in the text underlying our Bible uh, because God said he, he would preserve them. The law of the Lord is perfect. Uh, it's perfect, it's unblemished, and it's complete. Uh, all that we need to have revealed to us through God's words, we have in its totality, uh, in its unharmed completeness. In our King James Bible, we have a wonderfully accurate translation of the perfect, complete, unblemished words of God. Is that a privilege? Is that a privilege? Is that a big deal? Brother Ray, that's a big deal, amen? Uh, The special revelation of God, that which he desired to speak forth through his words, uh, rather than just revealing in a more general way uh, through his creations. That's the first thing. Uh, the second thing uh, is that uh, his words or his testimony uh, is sure. That's the Bible word that's used here, S-U-R-E. Get that down, please. Um, Psalm 111 and verse 7 says, The works of his hands are verity, truth, and judgment. Uh, and all his commandments are sure. So that's interesting. That verse is kind of an outline uh, of the first two-thirds of, of this psalm. The works of his hands, his, his creation, are, are truth and judgment. They reveal him uh, as a true and just God. And then the second part of that verse says all his commandments, all of his words, uh, are sure. Now in this, in, by the way, the, I think I mentioned this already, uh, but the word underlying sure, what did I say it was? Did, did I say it? Did I say it? It's, it's amen. Amen. Uh, it has the idea in this context of being faithful uh, or reliable. Uh, his, his words are, they're sure. Uh, they're amen in the sense of being uh, reliable. God is faithful to keep his words uh, he's, he's reliable. Uh, his words are faithful. They are true. Uh, his words are reliable. Aren't you thankful for that tonight? Uh, God has said that if you would repent, place your faith in Christ, you'd be saved from hell. Can you count on that tonight? Can you count on that tonight? That's a reliable promise from the Lord. His words are completely reliable. We know tonight we have an accurate translation of his words because he promised uh, to keep them. Uh, and, and we have the, the text through which he's done that, translated by our King James translators. And so uh, we know we have a reliable translation of his words, which are reliable. Uh, the third thing we see here is that they make us wise. Uh, his words are the way to be wise. And you know that goes back to this morning. Uh, the spirit of wisdom gave forth the, the, the wise words of God, and uh, God preserved them. Uh, we have accurate translation, and so now uh, the simple can open uh, their Bibles and be made wise by God's words. Uh, there in verse 7, uh, they, are, they are that which uh, are, are making wise uh, the simple. Uh, who's the simple? Well, anyone who's less wise than the Lord. Amen. Brother Ray, we need his words uh, to, to grow and to create, to encourage a godly wisdom uh, in our hearts, uh, in, in our minds. And we praise God for that 
uh, tonight. There's lots of verses that we could look at, uh, but let me just give you this one. Write down this reference, please. Proverbs 3 and verse 13. Proverbs 3, 13 says, Happy, happy is the man that findeth wisdom uh, and the man that getteth understanding. Uh, is, is it a joyful thing to grow in godly wisdom as you spend time in God's words? Is that, is that a joyful thing? Does that rejoice your heart? Should. <laughs> it should. Happy is the man. Uh, blessed is the man, happy is the man that findeth wisdom. We find that in God's word. Um, the, the spirit of wisdom giving forth these words and the spirit of wisdom, the Holy Spirit uh, gives us the ability to understand and to take up and to apply uh, these words to make us wise uh, according to God in his eyes, according to his standard. Uh, his words are righteous. Uh, verse 8 says the statutes, the statutes of the Lord are right. Uh, they are righteous. All that God says is true. Uh, it is right. It is correct. It is righteous. I'll give you one familiar cross-reference. Deuteronomy 32 and verse 4 says, He, uh, the Lord, is the rock. His word is perfect. We've seen that. Uh, for all his ways are judgment, just. Uh, he's God of truth and without Iniquity, just and right is he. Now, if he's just and right, Zach, it just makes sense that everything that he says, all of his words that he has given forth to be inscripturated and to be preserved would affect his justice and his righteousness. And in fact, they do. Uh, his words, uh, they're complete, they're reliable, they make us wise, they are righteous. We see here also that they, they rejoice our hearts uh, in, in verse 8. The statutes of the Lord are right, comma, rejoicing uh, the heart. Brother Ray, as we spend time in God's words, our hearts should be rejoiced in God's words. Maybe there's conviction sometimes, but when you don't try to reject the conviction, when you confess the sin that the Lord is convicting you about, uh, and uh, ask him for grace to turn away from the sin and uh, to put on righteous obedience, there's joy in that, isn't there? Uh, and, and there's rejoicing in, in the conviction that we knew from God's word uh, so that we could be right with him in his eyes and, and be blessed by him with rejoicing uh, in our hearts. Verse 8 also says God's words are pure. Uh, they're They're pure and probably pure in a variety of different ways. They are uh, pure in the sense that there's, there's no sinfulness in them. They are, they're holy, they're holy words. God is absolutely holy uh, and his words reflect his holiness. Uh, this may also be a reference to his words uh, being unblemished, being complete, not having been uh, corrupted, having been preserved uh, by God as he promised. Uh, you see here in verse 8 also that the words of God enlighten the eyes. They are uh, enlightening our eyes. Uh, Brother Ray, the word of God gives us insight and understanding uh, of God and the way he sees uh, us and, and the way he sees all, all that is. His words enlighten our eyes. Let me read just several verses from Psalm 119. Make a note, this will be Psalm 119, beginning in verse 99 and down through verse 102. There, we, we don't know for sure if it's David, but we think it's David, writes, I have more understanding than all my teachers. Well, how do you get that? You got that from the Lord, from his words. He says, for thy, talking to the Lord, he says, for thy testimonies are my meditation. His testimony is that he's meditated in God's testimonies in his words and as a result of that, he has more understanding uh, from his teachers who evidently haven't spent as much time in God's word. He goes on, he says, I understand more than the ancients because I keep, Lord, I keep thy precepts. He says, I've refrained my feet from every evil way that or so that I might keep thy word. I have not departed from thy judgments for thou hast taught me. What a privilege. I don't know. Um, have you ever stopped to think about this? Brother Ray, as you read God's words, 
you are enjoying the privilege of being taught by the Lord. Ever think about that? These are God's words written to us. And if we'll, if we'll receive them, we are enjoying the privilege of being taught by the Lord. That's a pretty special teacher, Brother Gary. He's the Lord. That's a pretty special privilege. Um, I'm more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. We can know and, and have great understanding. Our eyes can be enlightened, as David said, as we spend time in his word. Uh, Brother Art, it's getting to be that time where we make re New Year's uh, resolutions, right? Uh, and I, I urge people to be cautious about that, but uh, you don't want to make promises that we can't keep. Don't make promises to the Lord that maybe you're not truly prepared to keep, but uh, it's a good time to kind of stop and examine our habits and to uh, make plans for the new year. Uh, maybe, maybe this will be a year where you would hope to read through the Bible. Uh, we have uh, reading schedules that uh, will be helpful in that regard. Uh, just got another one that looks pretty good, so if you're interested in that, I can share that with you. Uh, you don't have to read through it in one year, but I, I encourage people to have a plan that's realistic and reasonable uh, to be in God's words every day uh, and to get through a, a good chunk of it as you do. If you will do that, you will benefit greatly. You, you will, uh, you'll have a, a growing understanding of the Lord. Uh, your eyes will be increasingly enlightened. That's his word, according to his words. Uh, there'll be a growing wisdom and righteousness uh, and purity uh, in your heart, brother Ray, in your life, because the word of God is powerful. Uh, it's quick, it's alive, it does not return void. It has the effect that God desires it to have. Um, <laughs> what is that effect? Well, all of that that we just said, but look at verse 9. Uh, verse, the first part of verse 9 seems to kind of come out of nowhere, but then if you stop and, and think for a moment, I, I think it's one of the effects that the Lord intends his word to have in the heart of a believer. Uh, verse 9 says this, the fear of the Lord is clean, uh, enduring forever. The fear of the Lord. Uh, someone suggested maybe the fear of the Lord here is just being used as another synonym for God's word, but that'd be kind of unusual. I don't, I don't think we, we see that necessarily anywhere else. I think it means what it literally says. The fear of the Lord uh, is clean, it's pure, it's righteous, uh, and endures forever. Uh, Rich, I, I think just as many of these other ideas that we see in verses 7 and 8 uh, are characteristics of God's words, but also point to the effect of God's words in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives. There's probably an effect of God's word as well. As you read the word of God, do you find that it causes you to have a, a growing fear of the Lord, a biblical respect and fear uh, of the Lord. Is that, is that the case? You know, it should be. Uh, hopefully it is. Maybe you pray that. God, as I read your word, you know, I understand your love and your grace and your mercy, but I also understand you're God. You have a great wrath at sin. Thank you for the blood of Christ that covers my sin, but you're a God who, you know, you're aware of sin and you chasten people, you chasten believers. Uh, we do well to let the word of God encourage us to have a growing fear a great deep respect for the Lord, for who he is and, and what he's like, and that that would encourage uh, a growing obedience, a heart to be obedient uh, in our hearts, in our minds. I think that's the idea here. Probably this is an effect of God's words in our lives. By the way, if, if there is a growing sense or a growing fear of God, uh, in our hearts, a biblical fear of God, does that bring glory to the Lord? Would, would that bring glory to the Lord? Sure it will. Uh, sure it will, because it almost certainly, um, I'll get it out, it almost certainly encourages uh, a growing obedience in our lives. And obedience to the word of God is going to glorify the God of the words that you're obeying. Amen. Uh, a growing obedience to the word of God is going to bring glory to the God of those words. 
And that just makes good sense. So uh, Lord, help us. <laughs> Lord, help us to grow in this new year as, as we are growing a habit of being in your word um, and meditating in it, not just reading it, but stopping and chewing on it and thinking about it and yielding to you, Lord, and asking you what you want us to see and how you want us to apply it in our lives. Uh, Lord, work that which you desire including a fear of you that encourages my obedience, that you would be glorified that much more in 2022 in my life and by my life. Next part of verse 9 says, The judgments of the Lord are true. His words are true. Uh, Brother Ray, that demands that there be objective truth. Uh, we don't get to just make up truth and try on different truths till we find one that fits. There is there is a, a the truth, that which is true, and there is that which is not true, and God's words are true uh, and righteous. They're true and righteous all together from top to bottom, from beginning to end, from Genesis 1 through the end of Revelation. Uh, his, his words are true. By the way, they're also valuable and desirable. We understand this. This is not a foreign idea. Look at verse 10. They're more to be desired. More to be desired are they than gold. Did you have some things that you wanted to get for Christmas? Uh, maybe there are some things that you really wanted. Uh, maybe it was gold. I don't know. Uh, maybe it was fine gold, middle of verse 10. Uh, the word of God is more to be desired. The, the, his words are more to be desired than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Uh, they are sweeter also than honey, uh, and the honeycomb. Brother, I, I received a gift. Uh, we received a gift. It's a giant five-pound jar of honey. That's a lot of honey. Pray that I use it judiciously. <laughs> Amen. That's, that's a lot of honey. I love honey. Honey is wonderful. Uh, do you love it also? It, I mean, honey is it's one of the best things God's given us, right? Brother Ray, his words are more desirable than that. They're more desirable than that. They're more valuable than gold. They're more valuable than the finest, most re refined, highest carat, whatever that is, highest carat gold that is. Um, the psalmist in, in Psalm 119, 72 says, the law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. There's no amount of gold or silver that is more valuable uh, than the word of God. In Proverbs 16 and verse 16, uh, Solomon writes, how much better is it to get wisdom than gold? Thank you, Lord. Wisdom is available from you, uh, from your words, uh, and to get understanding, it's rather to be chosen uh, than silver. The wisdom and understanding that we get from God's word, that brings glory to him. That glorifies him. It's more valuable than anything. It's more desirable uh, than anything. Um, look at verse 11. We'll look at this quickly and then we'll, we'll finish up. Uh, God uses his words to warn his servants. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned. We need warnings. We need warnings. We need warnings. <laughs> uh, Lord, warn us through your words about what is right, what is wrong, what you will correct. Lord, Lord, warn us to stay close to you. Lord, warn us through your words. He does. Uh, and he promises a reward to those who obey his words. Verse, second part of verse 11, and in keeping of them, there is great, what? What's he say? Reward. In keeping his word, there's, there's great reward. Gary, I've said many times over this past year, uh, God, the rewards for obedience, blessings for obedience, they're wonderful. I appreciate them. I don't feel like I deserve them, but, but I appreciate them. But more than I appreciate them or desire them for myself, uh, I want my heart to be that I would desire God's blessings on my life because they bring honor and glory to him. That's a big motivation, Brother Ray Metric, to obey the Lord, that he would bless us, but not just for us, not just for our benefit, so that the blessings that he's able to pour into our life as a result of the obedience that he makes possible that would bring him honor and glory. And so we've, what have we seen? We've seen um, God's wonderful creation. The general revelation glorifies him. We see the words of God, his special revelation, 
glorifies him. And then lastly, very quickly, just in the last several verses here, I want you to see the way that David responded clearly brings glory to God. The way he responds clearly brings glory to him. His heart, having considered the creation, uh, and his heart, having considered God's words, is to obey them. It's to obey them uh, that his life might glorify his Lord. Uh, his redeemer is the, is the word that he uses, the last word of the, of the psalm. Uh, look at verse 12. There's, there's a little bit of a difficulty here. Uh, David writes, who can understand uh, his errors? Zach, is there anything about that phrase that you would call to my attention? Uh, verse 12, who can understand? His is, is, is squigglyized. <laughs> it's, it's italicized. Uh, his errors. Um, so we have to consider whose errors are we talking about here. Uh, has the Lord made any errors? No. And so if it's a question about the errors of God, this is one of those questions we have to say, well, I don't understand God's errors because God hasn't made any mistakes. Uh, who can understand his errors? Uh, there are none. So there are none that need to be understood, might be the idea. Uh, if, it's, if it's the error of men, well, that's a whole other thing. Um, that's a whole other thing. We understand that uh, our hearts are filled naturally with sinful inclinations, uh, the desires, the lusts of the old nature. Uh, we can begin to understand some of those things. This might be the idea. And so David responds in the second part of verse 12 by saying, cleanse thou me uh, from secret faults. Lord, uh, you search my heart, seemed to be the idea. You search my heart. You, you expose the, these secret errors in my heart. Uh, God, you expose things that I might not even be thinking about. By the way, how does the Lord do that, generally speaking, today? Understand there's conviction that the Holy Spirit uh, brings in our hearts but where does that conviction begin? Where do you usually become aware of that conviction of sin? What are you normally doing when you become aware of conviction of sin? You're in the Bible. You're in the Bible. <laughs> You're, that's where you are. Uh, and, and the Lord just begins to work through the power of his words. The Holy Spirit who gave those words works through the same words uh, to apply them, you know, like soap to my heart, to cleanse my heart. But that cleansing begins with conviction that I might confess uh, and be cleansed uh, from faults that are secret, maybe in the sense that I wasn't even aware of them, perhaps, or perhaps in the sense that these are things that I was trying to hide from, from other people. You can hide your sin from other people for a time, Brother Ray, but you can never hide it from the Lord even for a moment, right? We do well to remember that. I can hide all kinds of sin from all kinds of people, but not from the Lord even for a moment. He sees it. He's prepared uh, to help us put it behind also. Uh, verse 13, keep back thy servant. David is praying. His, his desire here is to conform his life to the requirements of God's words and that his life would glorify the Lord. He says in verse 13, he prays, keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins, not secret things that he's maybe not even thinking about, but uh, prideful, arrogant sins that, that, that he might be inclined to, to sin on purpose in the pridefulness and arrogance of his own heart, uh, sins that are choices, that are, that are conscious choices. You could say, well, that sounds pretty bad. Well, that is pretty bad. Uh, but, but remember, when we choose to sin, we're choosing to disobey the Lord, uh, the one who created us, the one who's so worthy of our obedience. We're choosing to disobey him. And that's a pretty prideful thing. That's a pretty arrogant thing. Uh, that's what's in view here. He says, keep thy servant from not only the secret things that I might not be aware of, but the things that I might choose to do pridefully. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. May I ask you a question tonight? 
when you choose to enter into a certain sin, uh, have you ever had the experience where that sin, uh, you having let it in, takes over a little more control than you ever intended? Church? Yeah. You chose to sin, and that sin became a habit. It became a very difficult thing to escape as if it had dominion over you. David says, keep back thy servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. He says in verse 14, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my what? My redeemer. Well, praise God, uh, a redeemer uh, here in the Old Testament. Of course, Christ is all through uh, the Old Testament. Um, David's response to all that the Lord has given him, God being worthy, uh, being worthy of being glorified as he's revealed his creation, and God being worthy of glory uh, in how he has revealed himself in his words, special revelation, David's response he would have to be a response that would bring glory to God. And he recognizes that it's his, his obedience to God as revealed in his word and in creation uh, that would bring glory to the Lord in and through his own life. He desires that God would show him, reveal, search his heart, convict him of things he's not thinking about. Uh, he's also desiring, in verse 13, he's kind of praying ahead, sort of uh, a, a, a prayer of prevention, if you will. God, keep me from, protect me from, don't let me uh, choose to sin. That's a good prayer. God, keep thy servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over God. Protect me from that. Don't let me take a step in that direction. You convict me and constrain me. That's a good prayer. God, search my heart for things I may not be thinking about, but also constrain me, prevent me from choosing to sin uh, against you. And in all things, uh, my mouth, my heart, let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable uh, in thy sight, O Lord. What, what does he say after O Lord again? What's in verse 14? What are the two words that follow O Lord? My strength. Zach, that's where he's going to find strength to obey the Lord. He's going to find it from the Lord. We know that. Brother Ray, we've said so many times, but, you know, we, we can't repeat it enough. You can try to obey in your own strength and have some success for some time, but you, you fall down. You fall down. The strength to obey has to come from the Lord. He is the mighty one the one and only mighty one. There is strength available in him to obey. By the way, is that something that we just say or is it true? In the moment of temptation, can you pray, Lord, you're the mighty one, the mighty one. I need strength to not give in to this fleshly desire, this lusty desire that I have. Lord, I need strength from you to not give in to this temptation. Is there strength available from the Lord in that moment? Yes. yes, amen, there is. He's the mighty one. There's strength available in him. He's our redeemer also, the one who has paid the price for our sin, bought us back from the penalty of sin, bought us back and released us from the penalty of sin. There's strength in him to not sin, but the fact that we have sin does require a redeemer, one to purchase us, to buy us back from the penalty of sin, Praise God, he is that also. In Job 19, we see that word also. Job 19.25, Job said, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, amen, uh, and that he shall stand at the later day upon the earth. Amen. He will. He is going to return, and ultimately we'll return with him uh, and enter into his kingdom. Brother Ray, do you have some things to look forward to? Yes, you do, sir. Uh, praise God for... Um, all those truths that make him so very worthy of glory. Praise God for uh, all that's revealed by creation that glorifies him. Praise God for all that is revealed regarding him in his word, 
that brings him glory. God, help us to seek you, uh, your conviction regarding our sin and your strength to put off the sin and to put on holy obedience in its place that our lives would also glorify you. Gary, when I've sinned, um, you know, in that moment, my sin is not glorifying the Lord. But when I respond as David did, my response glorifies him. Lord, help us to focus on our response to our sin, to, to your conviction, and glorify you, bring you glory in our response. Better stop there. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Lord, thank you for your words. I pray, Lord, tonight that um, we rejoice, that we rejoice in the fact that you are so very worthy of glory. Lord, I pray tonight that these truths that bring you praise, honor, and glory would compel us to give you praise, honor, and glory, that we would speak forth, uh, that we would brag about you, not about ourselves or each other, but Lord, about you that we would glorify you to each other, to the lost, uh, that we would praise you in our prayers. Lord, we do praise you tonight. Father, you're so very worthy of praise, honor, and glory. Lord, I, I pray tonight that our hearts would continue to be hearts to be right with you practically. Lord, that there be a growing sanctification in our lives that would glorify you, that would point to you uh, and demand that there be an ex a supernatural explanation for the, the growing holiness in our lives. Lord, I pray that as we confess where you bring conviction, as we seek you for strength to forsake sin and to put on obedience in its place, I pray, Lord, that lost people would see a change and that they would desire to know about that change. Lord, I pray that believers would see the change in our lives and be encouraged, Lord, that you're real, that you're real, and that uh, we, would, we would be encouraged to do the same, to grow, to respond to your conviction with humble repentance forsaking sin in your strength for your honor and for your glory. Church, give you a moment to pray and we'll close.